Bible Church of Christ. And feel welcome to come back at any point in time that we're a loving congregation. And we'll always be on your corner to show you support because one of these days we want to see each other in heaven one day and see God's face in peace and enjoy the salvation that he's given us, right? All right, all right. Now, the scripture that was, that was read, John 6 and verse number 44, very important as we start the new year. Uh, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Uh, it is written in the prophets that they all should be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that have heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. You know, there are, we're living in an age where there are a lot of intelligent people out in the world. I mean, it's a lot of intelligent people. How do, how, how do I know that? Well, if you can take a rocket ship and fly it up to the moon, so they say, and fly it back, I think you call them what, rocket scientists? Yeah, yeah you call them rocket scientists. That takes a lot of intelligence. If you can take a, a person's head and cut it open, look inside their brain and take tumors out, I think you call them brain surgeons. I think that takes a lot of intelligence, a lot of education to be able to do that. Well, what about, what about airplanes? You know it takes a lot of intelligence. It takes a lot of education to sit there and have a plane fly way across the country, fly it back, and land safely. And we trust the, we trust the airlines and all that. That takes a lot of education, a lot of intelligence, does it not? And you know if you have some money and you put it in the bank and you trust people with your money, you know they have to be intelligent to have your money because you wouldn't put your money in a bank that doesn't have educated people watching over your money. This is yes, this is no, this is I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, you have to have a certain amount of intelligence to do all these things. But there's one thing that I have found out over my little short existence on this planet that is all this intelligence, all this education that most of these people that I'm mentioning do not have education when it comes to salvation. They have no clue. They have no concept. They have no idea. And I'm not trying to be insulted. But when you talk to people about salvation, it is almost like you have three heads when you talk to them. They have all these variations and strange concepts about salvation. And to kick the gear off, we need to be more evangelistic. And I know we're older congregation, but still, if you have breath in your body, you can still say something about the Lord and about the salvation that he offers. But that takes education. That takes knowing what the Lord would have you to say to these people and know how to respond when they say something to you about them. So salvation comes by education is the name of my title. And it's very important that people are educated, that they are taught right. Can a person come to the Lord any kind of way that they want to? Well, the answer is obviously no, but a lot of people think that they can. And so I have a series of lessons, and I'm not going to do the whole series. I'm only going to do one, but I'm going to run down the list of some of the situations that you will find yourself in when you talk to people about the most important thing on the planet that we have, and that's salvation. We need it. We need salvation. Why do we need salvation? Well, because we're trying to avoid damnation. That's why we need salvation. Salvation, excuse me. 
we need that because we want to see the Lord's face in peace one day. I don't know about you, but I do. And so how do we avoid damnation? Well, a person has to have an education on salvation. Now, here are some of the ways that people try to have salvation that's not according to the Bible that you, and more and more than likely, you've already come across situations like this. And let me just run down the list and then I'll park at one and hurry up and get through so we can get out the icy weather. So, number one, salvation does not come by your expectation. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. It's okay that we use the Bible. We're going to use the Bible, so if you're keeping notes, I'm going to breeze through these real quickly because, like I said, I don't want to keep us long. So 2 Kings chapter 5, salvation does not come by your expectations. Just to give you uh, a brief account of what's going on here. Most of you that have read your Bible a few times know about this account about Naaman. Naaman had it going on. He was all that and a bag of chips with the deal. His life was, he was a mighty man of valor. God had blessed him to accomplish many things. But then when you notice, there's a problem. But he was a leper. You know, I don't care how good you are, how great your life is, there's always a but in your life. There's always an issue that you will have in your life. Always, it's always something going on. You can have a lot of money, you can have a pretty wife, a handsome husband, nice car, nice job, you can have all that, but it's still a but somewhere. And so, what was his problem? He had leprosy. Now, here's the thing. I want you to look at verses number 11. Just, just focus your eyes on verses number 11. He had leprosy, didn't have any clue on how to get this leprosy off. Eventually, he was going to die. Well, he was told, hey, and I'm paraphrasing for emphasis of time. He was told to go see this man by the name of Elijah. Go see the preacher man. Go to his house, and he'll tell you what you need to do. So he takes him and his entourage to go to the house because, you know, he's all that, and you should acknowledge me. Elijah didn't even come outside. Just told him, go dip in Jordan seven times. That's it. Simple, very plain, very understandable, right? Right. What was his problem? Look here at verse number 11. But the Bible says he was wroth. Now, I'm using the King James Version. Some versions might say he was very angry, meaning he was fish grease hot. Now, that is show enough hot. That is cooking oil hot. Meaning he was mad. What you mad for? What's the problem? The problem was... What did he say? He said, I thought. God didn't ask him what he thought. Did God have to ask him an opinion? Hey, Naaman, you really want to be, God didn't ask him. And this is what you will find yourself when you're having Bible class with people. People will always bring up what they thought. And you didn't ask them what they thought. God didn't ask him what they thought. God never asked any of us what we thought about salvation. God has salvation planned out before the foundation of the world. So why in the world would he listen to, you know, a little bony chest man like myself and try to, you know, sit God down and try to give God some advice on what to do about salvation? Did Naaman have any idea about how to be saved? No, he didn't. So the best thing that he needed to do and the best thing that we all need to do is sit down, be quiet, and listen to the truth, and then obey the truth. 
Now, he might have went away, but you know what? He went away a mad leper. And so guess what? Nobody ran after him to try to, find, to try to help him out. He had to come back and do it the way God said. And you know what? When you come into the church of Christ, there are a lot of people in the religious world that have expectations about how they want worship to go, how they want church to go, how they want people to be. The only thing you need to expect when you come to the church of Christ is the truth being told and us sticking with the Bible, book, chapter, and verse, and nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. That's all we need is the Bible and the Bible only and to follow that Bible. Salvation, folks, does not come by our expectations, your expectations, anybody's expectation except God's expectation. Next, let's just, let's just move right on. Salvation does not come by generation. And this right here, I, you know, I would park here, but this, that topic is too hot. You will find yourselves talking to people about salvation. And you know what they'll do? They'll bring up their relatives. They'll bring up mama. They'll bring up daddy. They'll bring up me, mom, peepaw, mama, papa, whatever you call your relatives. They will bring them up and they will base their salvation off of another person. And in particular, sometimes they'll bring up their salvation off of a dead relative, and then they'll ask you this pointed question. You mean to tell me my mama and daddy are going to die and go to hell if they're not a member of your church? How are you going to answer that question? How would you answer that question? That's a tough question to answer, but you know what? The Bible has an answer, but listen, I'm not trying to be mean, ugly, or nasty, but if your parents were to die and God sent them to hell, what could you do anyway about it? What could you do? What could you say to a, a righteous, loving, kind God that put breath in everybody's body, including your relative? What could you say to God that can make him change his mind if he did send him to hell? You know what? What if he said, you want some of it? You want some of this fire too? You want some of this? You know what your answer would be? No. You wouldn't want that. Nobody wants that. You don't want that for your relative. And guess what? Your relative doesn't want that for you either. But the thing is, Salvation doesn't come by generation. There is no such thing as proxy salvation. Y'all know what proxy means? That means a group salvation, someone that stands on your behalf. The only one that can stand on your behalf is Jesus. And if Jesus is not standing on your behalf, guess what? Your parents or your relatives or anybody else, that, that include grandma, 90 years old, I don't care how old she is or how old he is. If they haven't obeyed this gospel, I'm sorry, the blood is on their own hands and on your hands if you don't obey the gospel. You have to be saved for yourself. You have to work out your own salvation. Now, like I said, that's a tough one because there are many that have based their salvation, have not obeyed the gospel because they're afraid of what their relatives might think if they obey the true form of the gospel of Christ and become members of the church of Christ. They're afraid of that. Let me tell you, if you listen or if you're hearing the CD laid on or whatever you want to do with it, Salvation doesn't come through your generation, through your relative. Don't base your salvation off of that. Next, let's just move right along. We're moving around real quickly. Because like I said, I didn't want to keep you long. Next, salvation doesn't come by sensation. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, I, I'm not trying to meddle. 
I just want this understood. I want this on record. I'm not trying to meddle, but salvation, hear me well, does not come by sensation. What does that mean? Sensation. There are people that you will talk to that think they saw something, thought they felt something, thought they got something, thought they had something, heard something, and all of a sudden, the spirit got a hold of me. My spirit, man, got a hold of me and made me do things and see things and feel things that, you know, this is not according to the Bible, but they'll tell you that that's what my spirit man made me do. And so they'll attribute that to the Holy. They call them ghosts. It's really the Holy Spirit. And so they'll attribute that to the Holy Spirit and say that the Holy Spirit made me wiggle and jiggle and run and do things and, and fall out. The Holy Spirit hadn't, you know, David, you can get your red pen because I'm about to use bad grammar. The Holy Spirit ain't making nobody do none of that. He's not making you wiggle, jiggle, take out, run, sit down somewhere and be educated on what the Holy Spirit really would have you to do. Now, I'm not trying, like I said, I'm not trying to be mean or ugly and nasty, but I'm tired. I grow tired of people lying on God's Holy Spirit, saying that God's Holy Spirit made them do something when God's Holy Spirit hadn't made them do any of that. The last time I checked, a spirit made somebody fall out, foam at the mouth. That was the spirit of the devil. It, yes, it was. Now, I told you to turn to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's just see what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to look at verse, let's, let's look at verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. I'm going to deal with that later. Man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit does what? Teach you. Not make you foam, not make you jump, not make you run. The Holy Spirit is an intelligent being. So when you have God's Spirit, guess what you need to do? Act intelligently. So God's Holy Spirit teaches. What is he teaching? He's teaching us about the gospel of Christ. Where is the real power at? The real power is in the gospel of Christ. Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it. Not all this other stuff, but it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, and therein just simply means, in there is the power of God under salvation. What's our topic? Our topic is salvation comes by education. What does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do for it? He teaches you. What does he teach you? He teaches you about the gospel of Christ and not all this nonsense that's going on in the religious world today. Let me move on because I'm about to get stirred up about that one. But let me move. Let me move on. Let me move on. Salvation. Next, you will come across, and this is closer related to this other one. Salvation does not come by private interpretation. My goodness, how many people do you know that take scripture and cherry pick scriptures and just use them out of context? How many people have you known that take a passage of scripture and say that it means this when it really doesn't mean that? 
How many people have you have you met that that do that all the time? It is it is common practice that people, and then we have some people that say that God spoke to them, and then they, you should believe me because God said something to me. Let me just let me just tell you something. Second Peter one twenty and verse number twenty one. If you take a note, uh, no pro, uh, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. But holy men of God spake as they were moved, they were guided by the Holy Spirit. When God's Spirit gave them the revelation, you know what they did? They wrote it down. What they write it down for? So we can read it. So why do we need to read it? So we can understand it. Why do we need to understand? So we can be saved. So if you if you talk to a person and they say God said something to them, God hadn't said anything to that person. The last time I checked, I'm looking at my Bible on record. The last time I checked, the last book in the Bible is Revelation. Is that in your Bible? The last book in your Bible is Revelation? That's the last book in the Bible, which means after that book was written, the book of Revelation, God hadn't spoke to anybody anymore today. The only way God speaks today is through the Bible. So if you want God to talk to you in today's time, Pick up the Bible and read it. That's how God is speaking to you. Now, I know we have some preachers now that say that God has spoke to them. Just know that Jesus said that I have not spoken in secret. I spake openly to the world, but in secret, I have said nothing. Nothing secret. John 18, verse number 20. Jesus didn't say a thing in secret. So if you want to know anything about Jesus, pick up the Bible. Next, let me move on because I got, I got something else I got to go on to. Salvation, folks, doesn't come by procrastination. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at a friend of mine right now. We had a friend, and when I was a member here, we had a friend. He would put salvation off. He would put it off. And you know what? He ended up putting it off and just put it off and just turned it off. You know why? Because he said he wanted to make things right. Make, make things right how? <laughs> how are you making things right? Can you make things right without Jesus? Can, any, can anybody make things right without Jesus? Can you get the forgiveness of your sins without Jesus? Why are you putting off your salvation? Why would you put that off? If you knew that you had counsel, and you, had the, and you were going to die if you didn't get the cure, but you knew that you had the cure to go get it, would you go get it? Would you do that? Or would you continue to put it off and get worse and get worse and get worse? The problem is when you know about salvation, you need to take advantage of it. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2 talks about now is the day of salvation. When? Now. Why put, because you never know. You know, this is the last day of the year, but you might not make it to next year, and that's just tomorrow. Well, who promised you tomorrow? The Lord didn't promise us any days. Not really. We could walk out of here right now and slip on that icy road and not be back ever. Salvation doesn't come by procrastination, and we need to tell people, we don't want to rush them, but we need to just impose upon them that, look, Life is not promised to any of us on any given day. 
So salvation does not come by procrastination. Salvation comes by education. And when you find out what you need to do, do what you need to do to be saved so you can see God's face in peace. Let me move on, but just know salvation does not come by procrastination. Salvation doesn't come by intimidation either. You know, we, as members of the Church of Christ, we have been accused of being dogmatic, ugly, cruel, mean, unkind, unloving. But one thing that we don't need to do, we don't need to jam Jesus down people's throat. We really don't. If a person wants to be saved, then let them be saved. Jesus has an open invitation to come to him. But, but does Jesus force his salvation on anybody? Has he ever done that? No. If a person wants to be saved, they can be saved. But now, if they want to die and go to hell, that's their right too. You can't stop them, can you? You can't make them be saved, and you can't make them be lost. That's their choice. But let's not, let's not beat them over the head with the Bible and just try to jam Jesus down their throat and make them be saved, scaring them to be saved. And to some of you parents that's in here and grandmas in here, I know over the years you've had kiddos that you, you know, you told your kids, boy, you go down there and you get baptized or you're going to get a whooping. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to tell your kids how to be saved. Instruct your kids what they need to do to be saved. Teach them what they need to do to be saved. Because if you force your kids to obey the Lord, you know what's going to end up happening when they get older? They're going to lead the Lord and they're going to hate the Lord because of you. And I'm just being real with you. They will hate the Lord because they remembered how you beat them across the head with scripture instead of gently instructing them on what to do about salvation. Don't force your kids to obey the Lord. Teach them to obey the Lord. And when they're ready to obey the Lord, let them obey the Lord. You'll know when they're ready to because they'll start telling you book, chapter, and verse. Scriptures that we should all be studying. Amen. Let me move on. But just know, salvation doesn't come by intimidation. And there are some religions, they'll kill you if you don't obey what they obey or believe what they believe. Christianity has never been like that. The Church of Christ doesn't teach that. But just know, salvation doesn't come by intimidation. Now, well, I mean, there's one more that I got to do. Salvation does not come by self-proclamation. Lord, please have mercy on us. And I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm really saying, Lord, please have mercy on us because you will have a situation where you talk to people <laughs> and they'll proclaim the Lord is their Savior. Yet they don't go to anybody's church by no shape, form, or imagination at all. They don't, they don't practice religion, but they believe that the Lord exists, and they claim that the Lord is in their life. I've had a, I had a young lady one day say that I, she had a cross in her house, and she said, I know that the Lord is there because the cross is in my house. Okay, that doesn't mean that the Lord is with you. That just means that you have a, a stick that's, that's crossed in your house. That's all that means. I had a relative tell me that she sprays lemon juice with pure water in her house to keep the demons out, and that's to let the Holy Spirit in. You see what kind of, how ridiculous this sounds? People making proclamations about the Lord, and the Lord is not with them at all. 
Why? Because they are not educated about the Lord. Let, let me just use this as an example. Let me go to the bank and claim that I have a million dollars. Folks, I don't have a million dollars. But let me go to the bank and claim that I do. What's going to happen if I go to the bank and, and I make this proclamation? Hey, look, I have a million dollars in the bank. I need it right now. What's going to happen? You know what they're going to do? They're going to get behind that little desk and they're going to press that little secret button that, you know, when they have issues. And they're going to press that little secret button and say, hey, listen, we have a little crazy black man in here that claims that, that he has a million dollars in the bank. I don't have a million dollars in the bank. And if I go to the bank and try to proclaim that, they're going to bind me and cuff me and take me right on out of there, even though I proclaimed I had a million dollars. Try to go to the airport and get on the plane without a ticket. See what happened to you. But you proclaim that you can do that. See what happened to you. See, there are people that are proclaiming the Lord in ways that the Lord has not said at all in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. See, there are a lot of people that are claiming that he's their Lord and the Lord is not claiming them. Why? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Here they are making a proclamation. And then it goes on, they making all these, pro, they proclaiming all these things. And then the Lord just going to plainly say to them, I never knew you. You don't want that. No one, no one wants that. Do it the way the Lord said to do it according to the word. And you will have many people that proclaim many things about the Lord and the Lord is not with them at all. And it's up to you and it's up to me and it's up to members of the Lord's church to show them in the Bible what the Bible would have them to do. Everybody understanding this so far? I hope so. Because just know salvation doesn't come by any of these items and you will find yourself at least with one of them, if not all of them, when you have Bible class. And if you're trying to be an evangelistic church, you will come across this. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to. Now I'm into my lesson for a brief minute. <laughs> I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And we're going to park there for a minute. Acts chapter 17. And this is the point that I want us to make. We are living in a technology age, the information age, as you call it. But you have to be careful about the information that you are getting nowadays because you can get information from anywhere, information off the Internet, information off the radio, information off the TV, <clears throat> information from some of these think tanks that, that claim that they know a lot of things. And so, and let me just go on record and say, I'm not knocking education because what's the name of the lesson? Salvation comes by education. So I'm not knocking education, but let's not get too high-minded on education to the point of where we think we are beyond God. And we're getting to the point now where you're going to meet people that think that their education is beyond God. You follow what I'm saying? They think that they're highly sophisticated. 
to where they don't need God anymore. And that is very, very, very dangerous. So what am I saying? Salvation doesn't come by any kind of information. Now, I want you to look, and I said to turn to Acts chapter 17, and let me get over there so we can look. And I want us to look at verses number 16. Verses number 16. Acts chapter 17, verse number 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to adultery. What does that mean? They were wholly given to all kind of different religions, all kind of different interpretations of how religions should go, different ways and different variations of many gods. Now, we in the churches of Christ, we already know there's only one God, one Jesus Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We, we know that. And by the way, let me just say this. There's only one church, too. But here we have a lot of different type of religions going on. So therefore, verse number 70, therefore uh, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market uh, places daily with them that meant with them. Now I want you to notice verse number 18 here. Then certain philosophers, I want us to spell that word, just look at P-H-I-L-O, stop. Philo, right? Philo. What does that word mean? That word right there means love, lovers, right? That next part there is Sophie. It's where you get your Greek word Sophie, wisdom. What was the problem here? You had men that were lovers when you put it together. You have men that were lovers of wisdom, let me just make this plain for you. There were men in that day, and I don't know if you know this, but we have men today that love to hear themselves talk. I mean, they can talk. I'm hoping some of you are not one of them. They can just talk and talk and just bring up all kind of ideas and just talk your ear, talk about themselves, talk about life, and talk about all different kinds of concepts that they've learned. And so these people here, they were high-minded. You know, they were so high-minded that, you know, there were people that would, that would call themselves, they wouldn't call themselves Lenin. I don't know if anyone calls themselves Lenin anymore. They would call themselves Leonard now. They wouldn't call themselves Stephen. They would call themselves Stefan because they're highly educated and highly sophisticated now. And so you can't really tell me anything because I've acquired higher learning. You know, I've, I've went through the, you know, the bachelor, the associate's degree, the bachelor's degree, the master's degree, and now you know what? I, you know, you have these people that have these television shows and they have, uh, you know, they have these little plaques on their TV shows and it has the PhD behind their name, behind their name, and you can't talk to them unless you call them Dr. So-and-so. Again, I'm not knocking education. If you get all this higher learning, get it. But not to the point of where you come into the Lord's church and then you walking with roses up under your feet and you can't be touched. The last time I checked, no one has walked on water, have they? So no one should be that high-minded. Jot this down for your note. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 3. If any man think that he is something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. 
Okay? So just because a preacher or a teacher or whoever it might be has obtained higher learning, don't think that they all that because they're not. Because the last time I checked, everybody still needs salvation, do they not? Even the smartest men. Let me ask you something. Have smart men led people astray? Can they make mistakes? Can they? Yeah, I know some smart men that have given me the wrong information. They were smarter, way smarter than I was, and I knew they were telling me the wrong thing. I knew they were. You have to be careful where you get your information from. And so these people here, they were so high-minded that when Paul, is that the alarm telling me it's time to go? (laughs) There were some people that were so high-minded that when they heard the very thing that they needed to hear about salvation in verses number verses number 18, they called Paul a babbler. They didn't understand what he was talking about. Now, they was all that when it comes to intelligence, but they didn't know anything about salvation. Now, I want you to look at, drop down to verses number 21. For all the Athenians and the strangers which were there spent, their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. My goodness, that's all they did. And there are a lot of people that sit around in these think tanks and philosophize and just bring new information. Some of this stuff doesn't even make sense at all, but they'll bring it to you because it's something that they like to hear and they like to have themselves be heard. Now, let me just give you an example. Let me give you an example. I have my cell phone with me. I thought I did, but yeah, I do. I have my cell phone with me. So I goes into a phone store, and uh, this guy was trying to sell me a phone, right? And uh, he said, uh, yeah, you need a new phone. I said, why do I need a new phone? Why? Tell me why. He said, because, you know, it has the latest features, right? I said, well, let me just ask you a question. I said, uh, does that phone there, does it text? Oh, yeah. I said, it text fast? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was getting real excited about it. I said, uh, can I surf the web on it? Said, yeah, oh, yeah. It's fast? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, I said, can I take pictures on it too? He said, yeah, oh, yeah. I can record things on it. Yeah, oh, this phone, yeah, this phone is excellent. It can do all that. It can do that. I said, so I can surf the web. I can talk on it. I can send text messages and all that, right? Yeah, take pictures. Oh, yeah, pictures are great. I just looked at him and I said, uh, you know what? That's the same thing that my old phone is doing right now. So why do I need an $800 phone? Why do I need one? You know what he told me? He said, because it's new. (laughs) That's what he said. He said, because it's new. Because the thing was new, he figured that I should have that. And that's the way some people are. They are so caught up in the newness of things. Now, I'm not, now, if you got a cell phone for Christmas, a new one, go ahead and use it. But please, don't get so wrapped up in the newness of a thing to where you lose your perspective on what you need to do as far as salvation. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2 right quick. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. 
there was a problem that was going on with those people in that day, and it was called Gnosticism, where they thought that they had special knowledge, and you know, you should look up to me, and I have this information that nobody else could obtain. You should follow me. You need to be careful about who you follow. That includes your preacher, too. I love them, but you know what? You have to check up on me. You have to check up on all preachers because we can tell you something that might be wrong every now and then. We, and you need to check up on them. But these people here, Colossians chapter 2 and verses number 8, beware, I'm warning you, lest any man spoil you. What does that, what does that word spoil mean? Now, some, some of you might have versions that say lead captive. What does that mean? There were some people that were so caught up in listening to a philosopher that they were led captive. They were captivated by the intelligence of a thing. They were captivated that people were so smart that they lost their perspective and they didn't follow Jesus, but they were following men. And so they were spoiled. They were led captive. And the Bible says, beware lest any man spoil you through notice philosophy and vain deceit and after the elementary teaching of the world and notice not after Christ. Like I said, I'm not knocking education, but don't, but, but don't put a man up on a pedestal to, to the point to where you don't check up on him with the Bible. Salvation doesn't come by just any kind of information. Salvation has to come by education. And if the preacher or the teacher or the doctor is telling you wrong, you need to check him out. You need to make sure that he's telling you the right thing. Don't be led captive by just any kind of information because it's a lot of information going on out in the world today, and a lot of it is wrong. I had a young man come to our congregation one day and tell me he didn't believe that Jesus exists based on the information, based on his research and information that he got. And I just asked him, where'd you get your information from? Well, I, you know, I, he couldn't tell me. I said, you got it off the internet. The internet has a whole lot of wrong information on it. How in the world can you say that Jesus doesn't exist? I said, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, in Matthew 1, do you believe in Herod? He said, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know about Herod. I said, you never met him or seen him, have you? Herod the Great. I said, what, what's so spectacular about him? I said, why do you believe him? He said, well, because I can read it in history. I said, that's exactly right. I said, do you not know what was Herod's problem since you don't believe that Jesus existed? What was Herod's problem? Herod had a problem because he knew that Jesus did exist. See, sometimes you have to go outside of the Bible, unfortunately, now to prove to these, to these knowledge gurus that Jesus does exist. You will find yourself now where people don't believe that Jesus exists. I said, so if you believe in Herod, then why don't you believe in what Herod tried to do? Herod tried to kill the Christ. I said, that same Herod that you say you believe in also had a temple built. Now, he didn't, he didn't live long enough to see it in completion, but that temple was built and it was destroyed in A.D. 70. I said, now, here's the thing. Jesus talked about that temple being destroyed before it even happened. Now, if Jesus didn't exist, how could he prophesy, how could he accurately predict that the Jerusalem would be destroyed if he never existed? I said, explain that. I said, you need to go back and check your research partner, brother, and that go for sisters too that want to do all their research. Make sure that you check your research before you start talking about somebody didn't exist because Jesus existed. And you know, you got this, David, you know what I'm talking about as far as this 
what is this, this nonsense that we have going on, trying to take Jesus out of history, talking about CE. Y'all know what that means? Common error. Really? No, let's just go ahead and call that Christ error, Christian error. This, this BCE, before, before common error, no, it's, it's Christ error, before Christ. And so we have a lot of people trying to take Christ out of history. There is no history without Christ. And so you need to be careful where you get your information from before you start talking about something that didn't exist. And so just like in Acts chapter 17, when Paul started preaching on Mars Hill, do you not know he went outside of the Bible to prove that Jesus was right? He said of certain of your own poets, it said that God will of God's offspring. So sometimes you have to go outside the Bible to prove and not that the Bible or God needs, you know, any, any validation. God can prove himself without any, any world history. God proves history. History doesn't prove God. No, it, no, no, no. God proves us. Okay? Let's just, let's just get that correct. So be careful where you get your information. And the information, I'm wrapping this thing up now. But the information that you need, if you listen, you need the gospel of Christ. Why? Because we've already pointed that out, Romans 1.16, it is the power of God to save us. Now, do you know about the gospel of Christ? And I'm looking at most of you, if you're visiting, I, don't, I can't tell, but most of us, I know most of you, most of you have obeyed the gospel of Christ. But when you start talking to people, you need to tell them about the gospel of Christ. That's the power of God to salvation. Now, you have to have people to hear that gospel. Acts 15, 7 and 8, uh, when there was much disputing among them, Peter rose up and said, Men and brethren, you know how a good while ago that God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So a person has to hear that gospel and believe it. They have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Now, do you believe that? Well, believe that with all your heart. Now, once you believe that, you need to repent. Repentance just simply means to change your mind. Luke 13, 3 and verse number 5. Then you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Matthew 10 and verse number 32. Now, if you don't do that, then Jesus won't confess you. Now, you don't want that. You know, I don't care what the Lord calls me on that day. You know, I have many different names. He can call me Chuck. He can call me Junior. He can call me Charles. He can call, he call, just as long as he calls me, that he acknowledges me. And you want Jesus to acknowledge you in that last day. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then after that, be baptized. Well, for what? Because Jesus said so. What do you mean Jesus said? Jesus said so in Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said to do it. Jesus said to go. Jesus said to teach. And then Jesus said to be baptized. Which one of those is not a commandment? Because we have a lot of biblical gurus out here that say that baptism is not necessary. Well, if, if Jesus said to go, and that was necessary, and if Jesus said to teach, and that was necessary, then guess what? Jesus said to be baptized, then guess what? Baptism is necessary. He didn't have to give you a reason. He just said to do it. Be baptized because Jesus said so. Now, the reason is, is because it's for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. But even if you didn't get a reason, just do it because Jesus said to. Everybody understanding that so far? All right. So, and once you are baptized, 
you become a member of the Lord's church, the church of Christ. The only church that's in anybody's version of anybody's Bible is the church of Christ. God adds you to that church, Acts 2, 47. And what do you do when you are added to that church? You stay faithful. Now, you, don't, you won't be perfect. You'll have your ups and downs. You'll have struggles, temptations like all of us do. But just know, stay faithful, Revelations 2.10, and then the Lord will reward you. And if you're here and you're amongst us and you want to be a part of this fellowship and a part of this work, I suggest that you do that. But if you haven't obeyed the gospel, obey the gospel. Do that. And if you have any need or any prayer requests, I suggest that you make that known because we would love to pray for you and be with you on anything that you might need. Come on, come now as we together stand and while we sing. Come now. Into the field of sin.